All right, hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, the show zero qualifications, zero credentials, and just about zero energy left. Uh, home all alone on a Thanksgiving week. We're just, we're having a time, folks. We are having a great time over here. Work is hectic. Um, life is hectic. Uh, Mississippi State, no other sports going on right now other than and the basketball. Did you know Mississippi State has two, I'm talking two, top 25 ranked basketball teams? Basketball school. Nothing else going on uh, at the university right now. But hey, we're back talking about college football uh, we may hit on Mississippi State. Apparently, they have a football team. Hey, who would have thought? Who would have thought Mississippi State has a football team? No, not me. <laughs> Could never think such a thing. Um, either way, we'll get to them uh, at some point later in the episode. We're we're getting to that point where, oh boy, that that Thanksgiving matchup is looming large in my mind right now, and so is the absolute. I mean, wellful of uh, of alcohol that I'm going to be drinking on that day. Uh, I'm going to get myself some uh, some nice Z-Biotic or something like that. I mean, just a random ad I heard on a podcast today. Something that's going to keep me from being hung over at work. But uh, boy, I'm going to need to be absolutely liquored up uh, to watch that game on Thursday. But I will. I will because I'm a I'm a loyal Mississippi State fan. Uh, I'm I'm there till I die now, unfortunately. But that's that's besides the point. We had a weekend, folks, a weekend of football that um, mostly chalk outside of a couple um, notable exceptions that you may remember off the top of your head. We'll get to that here when we get to it. Uh, but we had a lot of stuff happening uh, that was going to affect the playoff picture in all likelihood. So without further ado, let's just hop stee right into this thing, shall we? Week 12 of the college football season. And we are back with the transitions uh, that we once had in there. These past couple times, I've just been too lazy to put a transition in, or I've I've just you know just just drank whatever my my liquid of choice, my caffeinated liquid of choices, just live on air and just kept it moving from there. Today, I had to take a big old gulp of this delicious carbonated caffeinated liquid in a red can that I'm sure you've heard of uh, once or twice in your life. I had to had to take a moment to you know take a little bit of that. Take a little burp break, and we're right back into it. What, 15, 20 seconds later? I'm going to stop talking in circles, though. We got stuff to get to. We'll just go straight down the top 25 list here. Starting off with the Georgia Bulldogs going into Neyland Stadium. Probably the most hostile environment they have faced thus far this season. And they beat the absolute hell out of Tennessee, 38-10. to you thought Tennessee might have something. Very first play from scrimmage, or at the very least, very first possession from Tennessee. 75 yards to the house um, right off the bat, getting that, that lead right away. You think, okay, this might be a spot where Georgia maybe wilts a little bit under the pressure. Not at all. They respond right away, and Tennessee scored three points the rest of the game. Hell, they were blanked in the second half. I mean, Georgia just dominated in this one. And Carson Beck, man, if this were... um. Uh, less of a prominent Heisman year with the top two candidates that we're going to get to here in just a minute. Carson Beck might have a, an argument for himself right now, man. He has not thrown under 260 in any game so far this year. He's over 30, 3,300 yards. God, I'm looking at his face right. He is one of the weirdest looking dudes in all of college football, but I got I to gotta put that to the back of my mind right now. I mean, goofy looking dude, though. Goofy, goofy looking dude. Uh, probably does well for himself uh, over there with Georgia, especially being the starting quarterback, but Goofy-looking guy. I digress, though. Over 3,300 yards, uh, 21 touchdowns, five interceptions. I mean, the dude has not had a bad game at all this year. 
I believe on the season so far. I gotta gotta make sure. Yeah, just under 73% completion percentage uh this year of nine and a half yards per attempt passing. He has been, I mean, not spectacular. He's just been quietly really good every single week, and he's gotten better every single consecutive week. Technically could come out in the draft this year, but one year of starting. This is such a deep quarterback draft. Um, he'd be hard-pressed to even make it into the first round. And if he goes out next year and balls, he's going to be a top 10 pick no matter what, I think. So probably going to stay another year, if I had to imagine, um, unless he's really just eager to get to the next level. But, I mean, with the NIL money, um, with with everything going on over there in Georgia that I am sure he's reaping all the benefits from, uh, why wouldn't you stay in college another year, and especially being in national title contention every single season? Why not stay one more year? I mean, Carson Beck, not going to win the Heisman this year. Probably not even going to be a Heisman finalist this year uh, unless they really kind of shoehorn him in there. Next year, man, he's probably going to be the preseason favorite to go out there and win the Heisman. He has been nothing short of really, really solid all year. And uh, I could see him coming out next year, scorched earth being spectacular, especially with uh, another year for that offense to develop. Not going to have Brock Bowers, but there's one thing we know about Georgia. They can replace... I mean, just reload every single year. And even in a year like this year where they've not had uh, the, the top-end names outside of Brock Bowers that you think of and be like, okay, that guy is a dog that we can hop on the back of and he can take us for a ride here. Even on defense where that's not the case, you not, not really a whole lot of guys that you can think of off the top of your head uh, that are going to be first-round picks. I mean, they're just, they got a spectacular defense as usual. Kirby Smart's always going to have that team playing. Offensively, Carson Beck has been almost flawless throughout the year. I mean, not had a bad game once this year. He's maybe had like a, a quote-unquote down game every now and again. But like I said, he hasn't thrown below 260 in any game this year. I mean, and sure, the first probably eight games of their schedule, nothing really to, to write home about. I mean, not really a challenge in there. But over this past stretch, I mean, let, let's look at what they've done here over this, this recent stretch. I mean, they are basically... In a big-time rival game with Florida in Jacksonville, closer to Gainesville than it is to uh, to Georgia. It's kind of a midway point, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's kind of a 50-50 split, rowdy, raucous environment. Um, they win 43-20. to They go, I mean, they, they face Missouri at home, and Missouri does give them a little bit of a run for their money, but they win that one, 30-21. They host Ole Miss, and they run them off the field. Then they go on the road, the most hostile environment they've faced thus far, and they run Tennessee off the field. That's just over the last four games. There was a question before then, okay, is this the best team in the nation? Uh, they're still kind of, you know, trying to find themselves early on in the season, especially got a close game with South Carolina early on. Not sure what exactly uh, they're going to do. My, hello, dog. How you doing? Yep. You, you want some scratches? Yep. I'm going to give you some scratches and I'm going to keep talking about college football. But over this past four game stretch, um, really after that game where they gave up 20 to Vanderbilt um, on the road. They've been nothing short of spectacular. They've been far and away uh, the most complete team in college football, the best team in college football. I mean, talk about the two, three, and even four we'll talk about with Florida State. They're fallible for obvious reasons that we'll get to here in just a bit. But of the top four right now, they're the only one with a true offense-defense combo uh, that scares you. And I'm just, I was just thinking about this. I mean, coming into the year, 
I think everyone was thinking, okay, this could be a super chaotic year because there's no one great team. There's no team that you look at and be like, okay, that that team is head and shoulders above everyone else. They are an absolute juggernaut. No one's going to stop them. And I don't didn't think there was one of those teams over the last four games. I would say the last four weeks. Uh, if there's one thing November has taught me, is I think there was one, and at least there there became one over the course of this last stretch here. I think Georgia is a legitimately great team. I think they're head and shoulders above everyone else, the number one team once again. I think they're going to be the favorites to win the national title. Obviously, got to get through these next two regular season games. I got to take care of business in the SEC championship. But for my money. Georgia is the best team in all of all of college football right now. And I can't just gloss over uh, the fact they're going to be facing Alabama in that SEC championship. And Alabama literally gets better every single week they play to a point now where I've, they're going to need a little bit of chaos ahead of them. And it, it probably going to, I mean, definitely going to take a win over Georgia in the SEC title game. But between Oregon and Alabama, one of those one-loss teams is not going to make it, and it is going to be a travesty if that is the case. Um, Alabama's playing like one of the four best teams in the country right now, bar none. I, I, I'm honestly, I mean, I'm not. I guess I'm not rooting for Alabama because they're just you know the 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 dynasty that keeps on giving with Saban there, but they're a team that deserves to be in there. I mean, last last year they had a a team with Bryce Young that had you know that was knocking at the door. Uh, had a, a, a argument to get into the playoff this year. More of the same, except for they're a one-loss team. Uh, they've gotten better each and every week. I mean, they're I, you can point back at their one loss being against Texas, and if Texas is one loss and Alabama is one loss, you, you know the tie goes to the person or the team with the 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 win at the end of the day in the head-to-head. These two teams, those two teams are not the same. I mean, Alabama is simply not the same team that they were when they faced off against Texas back in September. Yes, folks, that was two months ago that they faced off at this point. And Alabama, I'd say if you put them on the field again today, I think Alabama wins by double digits, especially if you put them back in Tuscaloosa. That's just how much better Alabama has gotten throughout the course of this season. I'm getting ahead of myself right now, but especially if Alabama goes out there and, and wins in the SEC championship game, if, if they, you know, do what they're expected to do, they sweep the last portion of this regular season. Who's to say that they're not going to go in there and get another uh, two-team SEC in the playoff, two SEC teams in the playoff? Um, I've kind of kind of wrung all the juice I can out of that one, though. Uh, we continue. A number two Ohio State hosted Minnesota. Ran them off the field uh, 37-3. to um, Ohio State's defense still proves to be one of the best in the country right now, uh, and the offense does just enough to win games. Really, they're a team that's, that's built to beat Michigan um, in, you know, great running game, great defense. That's a game have not officially added to my bets, which, which by the way, I got five bets for y'all at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. We are, I mean, we're jumping early on a lot of these lines. One that I have not jumped on yet is, is the uh, the over under for that Ohio State Michigan game, which is going to be an absolute dandy? I mean, the noon time slot is going to be a one to remember, folks. But uh, I digress on that front. I think it's at forty six right now. There's a good chance I hop on that by the uh, by the time the Thursday episode rolls around. So you know, just a little little preview there. Have not officially done it. I'm gonna wait for some stuff to to settle up first, but. Uh, Feeling pretty good about the under on that one. That feels like two two defenses that are just going to beat the hell out of the opposing offenses, and we're going to get like a 
like a, a, a 20 to 13 game uh, where it comes down to like a, a game winning drive or a last second drive to decide it. That feels like what this Ohio State Michigan game is going to be this year. Going to be an absolute dandy. Stick a cork in that for now, though. Uh, Ohio State beats Minnesota 37 to 3. Uh, Michigan went on the road to Maryland. Poor Maryland. I mean, they put up a hell of a fight in this one. I mean, Talia Tungavailoa uh, had a tough day with two interceptions, no touchdowns. But still, all of that being said, Maryland was able to keep it close, uh, ultimately. Um, didn't score in the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, actually got a safety in the fourth, got safetyed in the fourth quarter uh, to kind of, you know, put this thing away. Uh, but, you know, kept it within seven. Michigan far from covering in this one, but they do get the win 31 to 24. I'm sure there was a little bit of a look ahead spot. Also, uh, Sharon Moore is not uh, not Jim Harbaugh. I'm not really breaking any news there, but um, that he a little bit different. uh play style whenever Sharon Moore is in there. I mean, one of the most conservative play callers in the entire country. It, it is absolutely wild. Um, I digress on that front. I mean, Michigan's offense did not play well in this game. And I think that's that's one thing we're kind of learning as Michigan's facing better competition is that offense ain't it, man. I don't, I don't, and especially with Sharon Moore calling plays being as conservative as he is. I mean, he ran 45 times in this one, uh, 3.3 yards per carry. Um, and even if you you take out the the quote unquote team rushing and JJ McCarthy's rushing stats, um, probably still under three yards per carry. Just not a good rushing day overall. I mean, Blake Corum. God bless him. He's going to have next to nothing left in the tank when he's in the NFL next year. But you know, 28 carries for 94 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. Donovan Edwards had 39 yards, 3.5 yards per carry. Just not great. And J.J. McCarthy didn't throw a touchdown in this one, throws one interception. People were saying this guy could win a Heisman. Also, if I hear one more stupid, um, not... What's 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 the word I'm looking for? Uh, subconsciously racist fan of the Minnesota Vikings saying J.J. McCarthy would look good in this uniform. I swear to God, and I've I've not really brought up this hypothetical, but it's it, I you know it's maybe a possibility come draft night given all the quarterbacks at the top. If J.J. McCarthy and Jaden Daniels are sitting on the board at the same time, and the Vikings take J.J. McCarthy, I might shoot myself. I'm t- only kind of joking on that. I mean, I I would be so depressed. You would have to put me on suicide watch, quite frankly. I do not want J.J. McCarthy as a Viking. I'll I'll say that right now. I mean, maybe I'll eat my words if he goes out there with whatever team he goes to uh, next season and, you know, balls out. Um, But if if I have an option between a guy that I can trust, that I have seen put up ungodly numbers in one of the toughest conferences, if not the toughest conference in the nation. Um, the the consistent improvement I have seen from Jaden Daniels year after year after year to being, um, you know, okay his first year at Arizona State, being solid the next year, showing real flashes of possible Heisman potential last year, and then all the way up to this season where he has been nothing short of spectacular lights out every single year as a consistent upward trajectory. And I'm no scout. I'm no, no, you know, expert NFL scout, though. I did say the last two years what Tariq Woolen, Devon H.A. were my two favorite players in last uh, two drafts. So who's to say I'm not an expert scout? I mean, some people are saying, but I, I digress on that front as well. Um, I I feel like D- Jaden Daniels, I love to see that, that consistent upward trajectory. We'll, again, we'll get to him in just a second. I'm bouncing all around. My brain is just 
just utter just mush, you know, sloshing around in my head right now. Uh, but yeah, that that is all to say. I just don't think JJ McCarthy is it, man. I don't. And maybe the play calling isn't doing him a whole lot of service. Uh, maybe the maybe the receivers aren't necessarily up to snuff out there. I don't know what the issue is, but JJ McCarthy's been the same exact player every single year he's been in college, and that player is just you know he's okay. He, he's average. Every once in a while he'll get you a, a good pass in there uh, every so often, but he's just meh. He's just okay. I don't I don't have a, a strong opinion about him one way or the other, except for. Again, if Jaden Daniels and J.J. McCarthy are on the board at the same time and the Vikings have a choice of those two and they pick J.J. McCarthy, I mean, look for me to jump off the nearest bridge uh, that could kill me if I jump off it. That's just, you know, that's my little uh, my little end to that segment there. Michigan gets the win. Uh, they get through unscathed. They are now uh, going, going into a matchup of Goliaths between Ohio State and and Michigan for a trip to the Big Ten Championship and likely a trip to the college football playoff. I'm just not sure uh, this season whether both of those teams are going to make it in. I'm just not sure either of them are good enough. Uh, that being said, who's to say whether that uh, like, you know, five through seven range, if any of those teams are good enough to usurp either of those teams. I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot of stakes going on uh, with that Ohio State-Michigan game, though. The best rivalry in all the land and it's going to be extra dramatic this year. That's going to be a hell of a game to watch. Too bad I'll be working. Either way, let's keep it moving. North Alabama went on the road to Florida State. And, of course, as expected, uh, got ran off the field. Um, that is not the story of this game, though. The story of the game was uh, Jordan Travis, the um, 67th year quarterback for Florida State, um, on a run, gets a good scramble. Uh, on the tackle, though, Gets, I mean, you can go watch the, the video yourself if you're a sicko, but I mean, you broke his leg. We'll just put it that way. Uh, done for the season. Not a chance you come back from something like that in in that the in this season at all. Um, probably going to be okay in the long run. We've seen scary stuff like that happen before, uh, where players come back and uh, play well. I mean, just look at look at look at guys like Dak Prescott out there. I mean, something that. It's not unheard of, but boy, gruesome injury. You hate to see it for Jordan Travis. And it throws a bit of a wrench in uh, what we are seeing from Florida State. They're an 11-0 team. They, I mean, they, again, ran Northern Alabama off the field. But you, you can't help, especially if you're the committee, uh, you can't help but look at Florida State a little bit differently uh, with Tate Rodemaker in there as opposed to what they were with Jordan Travis in there. And they've already looked kind of shaky at times. Ultimately, I, I do feel like if they go undefeated, if they, you know, they're going to probably have to beat Louisville in the in the ACC championship in order to, to get undefeated. If they go through that, um, I think they play Florida this week, I want to say. I, someone in rivalry, we, we'll get to that at some point. Um, if they get through that whole stretch, they're still probably a playoff team. I don't. I just don't know. I, I just don't. I can't trust Florida State with a backup quarterback, um, with kind of how herky jerky up and down they have played at points this season. Um, I just I can't trust them to go out there and and win both of these games, especially Louisville. I think Louisville will get them. I mean, shout out to Jeff Brom. I mean, probably the national coach of the year. Um, an absolute. I mean, he has done a better job than I could have even expected uh, for Louisville over there. I mean, 
we pointed out numerous times on this show uh, that they had a, a cupcake schedule uh, for much of this season. But to go out there and, and win all but one of those games so far, with the one loss being to Pitt, still hilarious that that, that one loss was to Pitt of all teams. Um, they're they're well on their way to being a hell of a program going forward, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. I think Jeff Brom and Louisville ends up getting Florida State in the ACC title game, and if not, Florida State losing next week. I don't. I just don't see them being a playoff team with Tate Rodemaker as the quarterback. It sucks because it, this is probably the best Florida State team they're going to have for, I mean, probably the next uh, year or two. I mean, I would imagine there's going to be a bit of a transitional year next year. Then maybe the year after that, they're firing on all cylinders again. Florida State is still an absolute recruiting monster, a portal monster. They're going to be right back in the thick of things here sooner rather than later. But man, this is uh, this is a uh, this is an opportunity they're going to look back in, at and think. What if, if they do, in fact, uh, go down in these next couple games? But even then, even if they do make it to the playoffs, what? You, you get the, the privilege of, I mean, they're not going to be higher than four in that playoff mix, which means they're probably going to face off against Georgia. What, they their, their award for getting to the playoffs is getting absolutely smoked by Georgia? This is, no matter what I feel like, this is going to be one of those what-if seasons for Florida State fans where it's like, okay, what if... Jordan Travis had just stayed healthy. I still don't think they win a national championship as an uninvested uh, observer, but man, it's it's tough. It, it is absolutely tough to just have all the hope in the world and then one tackle just gone, gone just like that. Hate to see it, but I mean, it opens up things, makes things very interesting for that fourth spot in the playoffs. Um, it is going to be an interesting next two weeks. I will say that much. We keep it moving from there, though. Uh, one of the biggest matchups of the week, Washington at Oregon State. Um, this was a dandy. I mean, this was back and forth all night. I wasn't able to watch it because table issues. I, I would like to proudly announce that I have taken my talents to YouTube TV. They won't They won't let me down like a, like a stupid cable box will. I'll tell you that right now, man. YouTube TV, so long as I've got Wi-Fi connection, we are solid, mate absolutely solid I'll tell you what so it's it's good good to be on the YouTube TV roster um, unfortunately was not able to watch this one because of that though also I think this was an afternoon game and I was I was I was working and whatnot so sucks but uh, yeah it, it is what it is there that's just how the cookie crumbles and of course you got an absolutely classic a classic video of an Oregon State fan over there in Corvallis just releasing what I can only describe as a torrent of piss. I mean an absolute fire hose of piss um, on a pillar in the stadium as uh, as fans watch on. And uh, that is the that 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 is the the end of the final chapter. A beautiful end of the final chapter of the uh, Washington Oregon State game. I haven't even talked about the game yet, though. I mean, it was it was a dandy. It was a really good game. I mean, bad conditions. Um, one of those, I mean, if you've ever been in the Northeast before, I mean, really, if you've ever been in like places that get cold in this time of year, every once in a while, you get a day where it's just low forties. It's not the freeze point yet. You're not getting anything frozen. Um, you're not getting any snow at that point, but low forties and just driving rain. I would say there is no worse conditions, um, in the entirety of sport. I mean, speaking from experience, just playing in, in youth football, 
with those types of, of games where it's just in the 40s and raining, just nonstop rain, obviously the body gets used to it after a certain point. You get warmed up, especially if you're moving around. It's not the biggest issue in the world on that front. Uh, the problem is, especially if you are a lineman and you're putting your hand down in that that just that slop. I mean, I, I imagine their fields are a little bit better than what my fields were in in, uh, in Pee Wee football, but or middle school football, whatever the hell it was. Um, but still, you the linemen putting their hands down in that wet, wet turf. I mean, they couldn't feel their hands by the end of the game. I can almost guarantee you that their feet were probably numb as well. Um, you could probably you could see your breath. Uh, every every extremity that is exposed to the water and the rain, you can't feel shit anymore. Only thing that's keeping you from getting hypothermia is the constant movement. I mean, it is just disgusting, disgusting weather. That's football weather, though, baby. And they played, I mean, this is a game that if, if Oregon State was going to win one and they were going to pull off the upset against a team like, like uh, Washington... This is where the spot would be. I mean, it's it's a it's a style that plays right into what Jonathan Smith wants to do. Just running the ball, playing physical, uh, playing that time of possess- possession game, uh, controlling the clock. Exactly what Oregon State wants to do, and they almost pulled it off. Uh, just ultimately couldn't quite make the comeback. I mean, Washington State, not Washington State, Washington got out to uh, that twenty-two to ten lead at halftime, and credit to, to Oregon State. Didn't score in the second half, uh, did Washington. They, they held them to, to zero points in the second half, um, but ultimately only scored 10. Got dangerously close to getting the win, but just could not quite uh, pull it out in the end. DJ Uyunglele ended up with two big interceptions and 164-yard passing, and that, that led the game. That should tell you just about what the conditions were in this one. It was a running back heavy uh, affair. Damian Martinez did all he could do uh, with two rushing touchdowns as well, but it was just too little too late. Um, Washington holds on, gets the win uh, 22-20. to And kind of a side note, this probably, if there was any hope for Michael Penix to win the Heisman left, probably right out the door for this one. And it's not his fault. The The, the conditions were god-awful out there for, for throwing and catching balls. I would imagine the receivers aren't doing a whole lot better as far as feeling in their hands as well. It's it's tough to catch a wet ball in 40-degree weather, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, for damn sure. But, um, yeah, 5.8 yards per attempt. Did get two touchdowns, no interceptions, which is it's impressive in, in that bad of conditions. But... With the way Bo Nix and the way that Jaden Daniels are playing right now, it's just he's a he's a distant third, I would say. He's pretty firmly in third, but a distant third nonetheless. So it is becoming a two-man race. And let's just get straight into that, though, folks. Uh, Oregon went on the road to Arizona State, um, beat the absolute dog shit out of him. I mean, just drug or Arizona State, I almost said Oregon State. I get those those two mixed up. The, the state schools, I, they just get mixed up in my mind. But I digress. Bo Nix in one half at 404 passing yards and six touchdowns uh, in this game. Absolute freak. Probably, I mean, I guess odds-wise, it is Jaden Daniels at this point. If there is any Justin, or any Justin, any justice left in the world, um, Jaden Daniels will win this Heisman. He's the best player in all of college football. Uh, Bo Nix isn't, isn't exactly a slouch right now. I mean, let's just go through uh, this season. He's got more passing touchdowns, I believe, than than Jaden Daniels. And let, uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. But 35 passing touchdowns, two interceptions. He has half the interceptions that uh, that Jaden Daniels does on the year. 
Um, I believe, let me let me check the, the game log just to make sure. I mean, 78% completion percentage this year. He's got five rushing touchdowns as well, um, over 40 touchdowns uh, on the year. He hasn't, he's only thrown, like I said, two interceptions the entire year. He threw one against Colorado and then one against Cal. Uh, both those games, by the way, uh, were contests where they just mopped the floor with their opposing competition. Really, ever since that loss to, to Washington um, on the road at Washington, he, he's been nothing short of spectacular every single week out there. Um, he's had five rushing, all five, well, He's had four of his five rushing touchdowns after that Washington game, and he has had, I mean, let me see, I mean, two, four, eight, uh, 12 plus six, 12 plus six is 18. He's had 18 passing touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, and one interception uh, since that, that Washington game. He is a worthy winner of the Heisman in, in just about any year, and I would hate to see him win it over Jaden Daniels this year just because of all that I've said about Jaden Daniels and how spectacularly Jaden Daniels has played. But if Bo Nix was to win it, it's it would not be out of the question, especially with where uh, Oregon is in relation to where LSU is as a team. Uh, like it or not, whether it's fair or not, it, it's as much a team award as it is a, a an individual award. Hate that. Hate that the context of where the team is matters, and all you you traditionalists will will scoff in my face at that notion. But I don't know, man. Maybe we just give it to the the very best, most spectacular player in all of college football. I don't know who who am I to say who who am I to say at that point. But the point stands. We have a legit. Two-man race, and it, no one else is particularly close in that Heisman race right now. It is Bo Nix, and it is Jaden Daniels. And the outcomes of the next two weeks are going to be um, large in that. And Bo Nix might ultimately pull this off because Jaden Daniels is not going to have that um, that opportunity for a Heisman moment in the SEC championship game because he won't be in the SEC championship game. His team is... Not good enough. His defense let him down this season. No two ways about it. Uh, LSU is definitely in the market for a new defensive coordinator after this year. Probably won't make a, a move in season, but uh, after the season is over, I would be shocked if they did not go out there and get a new defensive coordinator. LSU should never be as bad as they were this year, especially not when you've got all the talent that they've got on that side of the ball. There's no excuse for them being uh, as bad as they have been this season. But um, that's that's all besides the point. What I'm trying to say is, Oregon going out there and likely against Washington, it's going to have to all shake itself out here in the final week of the season. Uh, just to you know, make make sure you know, cross T's, dot I's, yada yada yada, all that sort of stuff. It's probably going to be Washington versus Oregon in that Pac-12 championship, and Bonix is going to have an opportunity for another big time Heisman performance. Where if he goes out there against Washington, which Washington has a terrible passing defense. I remember they're playing in Vegas. I think that they're playing in that dome in Vegas too. So weather won't be an issue. You're going to have basically perfect conditions uh, to go out there. If Bo Nix goes out there, throws for like 400 yards, uh, five touchdowns, maybe adds one on the ground, or if he just goes like 400, five touchdowns, probably going to win the Heisman with that performance in that, in that setting, especially in a game that will likely put Oregon in the college football playoff at that point. I mean, probably going to have to have some stuff happen ahead of them for that to happen, but Already got Florida State down the, their most important player with Jordan Travis, unfortunately. Could be the opportunity that Oregon needs to get in. They, it is a cutthroat 
uh, race for that fourth spot in the four-team playoff this year, uh, especially with what's going on with the Ohio State-Michigan game. There, I, I still feel like I don't know if the loser of that game gets into the college football playoff. This is not like last year where uh, Michigan wins, but o- Ohio State still has C.J. Stroud and all that goes along with that, and they were one of the most spectacular teams, clearly one of the four best teams in all of college football. I'm not sure if they lose this game, if Ohio State loses this game to Michigan again, or if Michigan, for that that matter, loses the game against Ohio State. I'm not sure that one-loss resume uh, trumps what Oregon does if they win in the Pac-12 championship and uh, get in there. That's all to say, Bo Nix still could very well win this Heisman in the final week of the season, just because recency bias is a motherfucker, and the people voting on the Heisman are going to look at that and say, okay, Jaden Daniels had a spectacular season, love to see it, but Bo Nix, on the biggest stage in the most recent football we have seen, played lights out. He's got that opportunity ahead of him. It is going to be a hell of a race, though, over the next two weeks, Um, especially with LSU. We'll talk about it here in just a second. I mean, making no bones about, we want Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman. I mean, they they kept him out there for every second of that cupcake competition they just had. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. That's going to be really, outside of the actual team results here and, and what it means for playoff contention the next two weeks, rivalry rivalry week, then going into the championship week, um, the Heisman race between Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels is going to be uh, one of the better photo finishes that we've had in the last uh, couple of years or so. Two well-deserving guys of winning the Heisman. Uh, just a matter of who comes out on top. With that opportunity that I think Oregon's going to have, though, I would love Jaden Daniels. And I still, if there's any justice in the world, Jaden Daniels will win uh, the Heisman. I just don't have any faith in that. I just think Bo Nix is going to end up playing his, playing his ass off in the Pac-12 championship, and ultimately they're going to give it to him because, again, most recent football they've seen. I have talked way too much about this, though. Let's get a time check. We get a time check. We are 34 minutes in. Ah, it's all good. We're going to be able to breeze through these uh, these next several here, so uh, we'll stay tuned. Uh, number seven, Texas on the road at Iowa State, a game that I bet and lost money on because I am a dipshit that thought Iowa State would keep it closer than they actually did, and ultimately had a damn good defensive performance. I mean, without Jonathan Brooks in there, yes, uh, Baxter, uh, his excuse me, his replacement there in the backfield for Texas did end up, you know, with 117 yards on the ground, and Rocco Becht, the uh, the Iowa State quarterback. He did throw for 323, two touchdowns, one interception, had a hell of a game, but ultimately just not enough to, uh, one, cover the spread, which just a tragedy, absolute tragedy over there in Ames, Iowa, uh, that I'm sure some of the players on that team care about, given the history of betting in, in the Iowa and Iowa State programs. I, I once again digress on that front, uh, but on the field as well, this really felt like an opportunity for Iowa State to come out there and uh, get this win. Texas survives, though, 26-16. They move on to the final week of the season where so long as they take care of business uh, and they get to that Big 12 title game, they take care of business there, should be possibly in line for a playoff spot. I mean, there's the number seven team in the country. I think they're going to need some help to end up getting to the playoffs. But, I mean, they're still putting themselves, they're doing everything they can to put themselves in position to go out there and uh, and win the Big 12 and, and win um, their way into a, a college football playoff spot. I, of the of the one-loss teams, and obviously judging by the college football playoff ranking, I mean, they're number seven right now. 
I'm just not sure there's anything that Texas can do on their own. I'm not sure Texas controls their own destiny is what I'm trying to say right now. I think they can win out, but if it's chalk ahead of them, and if Oregon ends up beating Washington, I mean, hell, even if Washington wins the Pac-12, I don't think, we certainly don't bump out a a zero-loss Washington team uh, to bump in Texas. I just don't think Texas really has a path outside of utter chaos ahead of them uh, to, to make the college football playoff at this point. That loss to Oklahoma just looms large on their resume, unfortunately. Hell, and I've, I've alluded to it there briefly, the number eight team in the country right now, Alabama, I think if they went out, they beat Auburn this next week, they beat Georgia in the SEC title game, I think Alabama would have a better argument for getting into the college football playoff than Texas would even as a Big 12 champion. Man, maybe I'm, I'm spitting blasphemy there, but Alabama is a legitimately better team than Texas right now. There is no two ways about it. Alabama is playing some of the best football in the entire nation. They are the one team that you do not want to see right now outside of maybe Georgia, and those two teams are on a collision course. A lot like that Pac-12 uh, championship game, uh, Alabama and Georgia, I mean, they've already got that, that date set on the calendar. I mean, it's going to be Alabama versus Georgia, and... Man, that's that could be carnage. That could be a fun, fun game. I, I expect it to be. I just, like I said, I just think Alabama is a better team than Texas right now. And maybe you can. I mean, maybe it's a it's a quote unquote resume thing. The committee has shown in the past that when push comes to shove, they will rely on who is the better team uh, subjectively more than they will uh, against with an early season uh, matchup. And that's why I think these early season matchups are kind of a. Uh, I don't know. They're kind of a, a joke, I would say. I mean, I guess they kind of pad the resume, I suppose. But I think these teams would be better suited if you take this, take away this this cupcake week, uh, the quote-unquote tune-up week before rivalry week. If you take away the cupcake week or just move the cupcake week to early in the season like they've been doing for a long time and then replace that with, I don't know, if you had the Texas-Alabama matchup this past week instead of September... Holy hell, guys. Holy, I mean, that would be that would be fantastic. I mean, Texas would probably still be a one-loss team after, you know, losing to Oklahoma. Alabama might be undefeated at that point, but you would have two of the best teams in the nation playing late in the season, and it would mean more to their resumes that way. I mean, it'd be a great product on the field. It would be a fantastic resume boost for whoever wins that game. I just don't think anyone is served by having these um, early season high ranked matchups. Hell, even that Florida State win over LSU early in the season. Like LSU is not the same team they were. I mean, Jaden Daniels. I mean, all he's done has been spectacular after that point. But the offense is rounded into form in, in ways that it hadn't in that first game. So I mean, this sure they're part of the quote unquote resume, but the, in the grand scheme of things, these teams change so dramatically throughout the course of the year. I'm just not sure those early season matchups really hold as much weight as they would hope for. I mean, that's my soapbox, though. Texas keeps winning, though. They win 26-16 over Iowa State. Um, We move on. Alabama, not too much time we're going to spend on this one. Jalen Milrow had, I think, six touchdowns, I want to say, in the the first uh, half alone. Let me me take a look just to make sure I'm not just blowing smoke up the ass of, of someone else here. Um, three touchdowns, really all in the first half, though, at 12.3 yards per attempt. I think he might lead the nation in yards per attempt right now. Uh, Alabama gets the win, though. This was the the aforementioned tune-up game. Uh, they get the win to 66-10 over Chattanooga. 
Um, we keep it moving from there. Auburn is looming on the horizon after getting smoked this week by their quote-unquote tune-up game. One thing at a time, though, folks. One thing at a time. Uh, Missouri escapes from Florida, or actually hosted Florida at home. They needed another miracle game-winning kick from the the fat kicker Harrison Mevis, a, a absolute stud over there with the Missouri Tigers. Gets the last-second field goal. They get the win, 33-31. to Missouri, 9-2, a fantastic season. Um, not quite in the books, but they have an opportunity to get 10 wins this year. Uh, Eli, Eli Drinkwitz, easy for me to say, uh, is recruiting his ass off right now. Uh, Brady Cook, would not be shocked if he comes back for another year. I mean, not going to be a first-round pick and has kind of probably played his way out of uh, first-round pick status throughout the course of this season. I think he's still got eligibility left. I could be wrong there. He, he's a junior. I think if I were Brady Cook, I would come back to college. I think he's got a lot to gain by coming back to college uh, for another season. That That's just me, though. Uh, but, I mean, you look at that, I feel like probably get Brady Cook back, maybe get Brady Cook back. I got one of the best receivers in the entire land in, in Luther Burden. I got to make sure he's – I mean, he's a sophomore. Um, let, let me check the stats. L- let me check the stats right now. Yes, he is a sophomore. He physically can't go to the NFL this, this season, which – you're thanking your lucky stars if you're a Missouri fan that Luther Burden can't go to the NFL this season because he, you get him for one more year. Missouri could be right back in it next year, and they're starting to get some of those those five stars in state to stay home. Uh, at the very least, they got one flip from Oklahoma in this upcoming recruiting class. they got a five-star defensive end coming in. I mean, Missouri, watch out for their future. They have got one of the brighter futures, uh, one of the better possibilities of elevating their program from what they have been of just about anyone in the SEC right now, really making, I mean, there's no more, there's not going to be any more East and West, but um, making the SEC a little bit more interesting by being how as good as they are. They're 9-2 on the season. They just keep it on rolling. They have got a, a matchup against, uh, who do they play next week? I think they play Arkansas. Yeah, they got, they're at Arkansas, which is never an easy task to go in there and play at Arkansas, but uh, a game, nonetheless, that they've got on the schedule. They should win that one and finish this thing off 10-2. and two. Probably a top-10 team uh, to finish off the year. What a season uh, for Missouri and the Missouri Tigers. And they might be able to be in line to have an even better one next year. That, that's going to be something to uh, to wait and watch on going forward. But we move on from there. Uh, Louisville and Miami played an absolute barn burner. This was back and forth to the very end. Ultimately, Louisville comes from behind, scores fifth, outscores Miami 15-3 in the fourth quarter to get the win 38-31. Louisville improves to 10-1 in Jeff Brom's first year as the Louisville head coach. Um, not necessarily walking to an ACC title game, but so long as they take care of business this week versus, I believe, they play Kentucky this week. It is rivalry week. They Yes, they play Kentucky this week. Um, actually already slated to play in the ACC championship game. That is that is in the books. They will play Florida State in the ACC championship game um, next week. Not this coming week, but next week. But get through Kentucky. They play Florida State the next week. And, I mean, they're not going to make the playoff. I mean, they've got one loss. And uh, of the one-loss teams, uh, they have the worst resume, I would say. I mean, that cupcake schedule is only going to get you so far when you're not undefeated with that cupcake schedule. But, Man, I said it before, shout out to Jeff Brom, man. I love Jeff Brom as a head coach. And I made I made allusions to this whenever Scott Satterfield left to go to, to, to Cincinnati. This is the rare situation where 
your head coach gets poached by somebody else and you actually upgrade and upgrade to a point where I believe Louisville was like a seven and five team last year, maybe eight and five uh, to a top 10 team of the year after. You don't usually see that and you don't usually, I mean, have Scott Satterfield leave and then just get Jeff Brom dropped into your lap. You don't usually get that sort of opportunity, but shout out to Louisville, shout out to Jeff Brom. Um, making the most of him while you got him. I'm sure at some point, especially if Jeff Brom keeps his program moving in the direction they're moving, probably not going to have him for too long, but enjoy him while you got him because he's got Louisville playing their asses off right now. I mean, they weren't even this good when Lamar Jackson was there. I mean, this is just, I mean, it's, hey, better than I thought they would be this Louisville team. They won a gutsy one against Miami. Um, Miami on the other side, Look, I, I said it before. I'll, I'll say it again here. Now they're just—they're a year away at this point. I just—I never thought that this season would be um, the breakthrough year. I mean, I thought they'd probably finish eight and four or, or seven and five, and they're right in line to finish seven and five if they get the win this next week. Who do they play this next week, by the way? Uh, they play Boston College at Boston College, so they should win that one. You know, emphasis on should. Um, but you know, not not awesome quarterback play. Um, Tyler Van Dyke has really kind of proven that he's probably not really an NFL quarterback. Uh, at the very least, not a high round NFL quarterback, especially not in a draft like this that is as loaded as it is. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I feel like Miami is still right in the line to have a big jump this next season. Uh, but you know, they're kind of moving along this year. They are recruiting at a very high level right now. And at some point, at some point in the very near future, they will put this all together and uh, really compete for an ACC championship again. I have high faith in that happening. I think Mario Cristobal is the right guy for that job, the right guy to bring Miami back to some of its former glory. You're probably not going to get to that 2000 uh, level of of dominance ever again, but to be consistently competing uh, once again, I think they're not far off from that. And um, especially, I feel like this this feels like a team where you go into the portal, you get one of the, the quarterbacks out of the portal, and you're right back in it next season, uh, possibly going, you know, 9-3, and 10-2, something like that. I could very easily see that for Miami next season. They're just, like I said, a year away uh, from getting that going. They've got elite recruits in there. they got elite recruits coming in. It's only a matter of time. So have faith. Have faith. You're going through the tough times now. I don't think the tough times will be forever there in Miami. Look at Mike Norvell with Florida State. Had to, you know, take some lumps along the way. Had to have some patience, but now in the playoff hunt uh, in two straight seasons of, of 10 wins. So again, have faith. Have faith. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Penn State. Um, we, we know who Penn State is. They can't score to save their lives, but they got a hell of a defense. Um, Olaf Ashanu is probably going to be a, a top five pick. Well, with the quarterbacks in there, maybe not a top five pick, but almost certainly a top 10 pick this upcoming year. Uh, got a great offensive line, great defense, but you know, they, they get the win here 27 to six over Rutgers, but, uh, they, they fumbled it. They, they fumbled the bag against their two uh, biggest opponents in Ohio state and, and, uh, Michigan. And now they're just going to plan for bull, st- bull, bull placement. Um, a 10-win season. Do what you got to do. Penn State is what they are, though. Unfortunately, I don't, I'm don't. i not out on, on James Franklin like some people have been. I don't, I don't know, man. I feel like they were just kind of a year away. Drew Aller needs to play better. He went out in this game, so you hope, hope the kid's okay. But 
uh, Drew Aller. Hopefully they bring in an offensive system that can kind of accentuate his arm talent a little bit more because it's just that offense is not up to snuff. And until they get that offense up to not until they get that off, offense up to snuff, uh, they're going to be right where they are now. Ten wins with two losses every season. Those two losses being to the one two teams that matter. And uh, we'll leave it there. Ole Miss. Those sons of bitches didn't cover, but they beat the hell out of UL Monroe. Uh, 35-3. They got a tough matchup uh, at Mississippi State coming up this week. Oh boy, I'm I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, Basketball. (laughs) Hey, two ranked basketball teams right now for Mississippi State. How about that? Uh, What? Okay, we'll just keep it moving. Uh, Oklahoma, they escaped from BYU with a win 31-24. Uh, eked one out. It was tied going into the fourth fourth quarter, but they get a shutout in the fourth quarter. They get the win, 31-24. They did what they had to do. BYU is still not good, but they're frisky enough to keep it close with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is just not that good of a football team this year. I mean, they're, they got 9-2. Nine, nine um, Brent Venables is showing he's you know bringing this program in the right direction, but Jackson Arnold better be the truth next, next year. I'll tell you what, that SEC schedule is going to be um, much less merciful than this year in the Big 12. I will assure you of that. There's not really a whole lot of BYUs in the schedule. I'll just put it to you that way. We move on from there, though. Um, hilarious stat line of the day. Uh, LSU hosted Georgia State. Uh, they won 56-14. They kept Jaden Daniels in for every second of this game. Um, ends up with the kind of numbers you would expect against Georgia State. Um, 413 yards through the air, 96 yards on the ground, uh, six touchdowns passing with no interceptions, and two touchdowns on the ground for a total of eight in the game. Uh, Like I said, basically Brian Kelly uh, is saying, "Uh, Jaden Daniels, we would like you to win the Heisman, and we're going to give you every single opportunity uh, to do so. Um, shout out, respect to Brian Kelly for that one. I mean, it's going to be good for the university. It's certainly good for the television right now. I mean, eight touchdowns is a hilarious stat line uh, for Jaden Daniels. And I would imagine uh, this upcoming week versus Texas A&M going to be a little bit tougher defensive matchup, but uh, I would imagine much of the same numbers. I I think Brian Kelly is going to, I mean, even if they're up by 40 versus Texas A&M, which I don't think they will be, um, I think that's going to be a spot where Jaden Daniels is. I mean, this it's his last opportunity to put on uh, for the Heisman voters, and Bo Nix is going to have one more week ahead of him uh, to go out there and put on even more of a show. So he's going to have to be spectacular this next week, and I would imagine Brian Kelly gives him every opportunity to be. Um, not to be overshadowed, Malik Neighbors, that's a top 10 pick. I mean, he is a stud, a stud wide receiver, I say. I mean, I, I probably not going to get to the Vikings, and we need a quarterback, so we got to got to. Keep that in mind as well. But hey, if we drafted Malik Neighbors, I would be happy as a clam. I'll tell you that right now. Neighbors is an absolute stud there for LSU. Um, Going to make some NFL team much, much better this next season. Might end up being a Bolitnikoff winning season for him. I feel like if it were up to me, I mean, ultimately, it's a popularity contest. And Marvin Harrison Jr. has the pedigree in the name um, to where, you know, probably going to end up getting the nod for that Bolitnikoff award. To me, though... If we're just going straight up on merit, Malik Neighbors, I believe, leads the nation in receiving right now. Um, to me, Malik Neighbors is the Heisman, not the Heisman, but the, the Bolitnikoff winner, if it were up to me. He is a spectacular wide receiver, a really, really good um, receiver out there for LSU. And they got another one in Brian Thomas, 
Um, that I mean, that LSU just keeps producing receivers over and over again. I mean, from Justin Jefferson to Jamar Chase um, to what they have now with with uh, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas. I mean, going back to, I mean, Juice Landry and, and Odell Beckham Jr. Like, on and on and on and on. I mean, they got so many receivers in that pedigree, but I'm getting off topic. I digress. We'll just keep it moving from there. Um, hope Jaden Daniels continues to put hilarious stat lines up on the board because it just warms my heart every time. Um, Illinois goes on the road to Iowa. Um, Another of the, in the string of lowest over-unders in college football history, I believe this one was at 28 and a half. And lo and behold, Iowa gets the win 15 to 13, hitting the under by a measly half a point. Still hit the under though, and Iowa is still the saddest 9-2 team in the entire nation. Running away with the Big Ten West right now. Um, just gunning for that opportunity uh, to go out there and get plastered to the field uh, by uh, whoever it happens to be, either Ohio State or Michigan. Someone's going to come in there, and it's not going to be pretty, but they're going to win by 30. That, that's you know probably going to be a much higher over-under just based on what the opponents can do, uh, not necessarily what Iowa can do in that situation. But Iowa does get the win. 15 to 13. They don't have Cooper DeGene, but it does not matter at this point anymore. They are rolling 9 and 2. Maybe, you know, reform the offense a little bit going forward, but uh, Kirk Ferentz is right in his element right now, scoring no points and absolutely throttling uh, the opposing teams right now. They got another game against Nebraska where they have another historic over under. It is 26 and a half right now, folks. 26 and a half, and given how bad uh, Nebraska has been at offense, I still might take the under. I'm not, I'm not going to bet that, but I would still lean the under. Quite frankly, that's just how. <laughs> that's how. Uh, uh, I don't want to say god awful because I, I was won nine games this year, but how you know sad of, of a of a matchup that's going to be. It's going to be classic Big Ten West football, though, folks. It might be a 9-6 final. It, it might be a dandy of a football game if you enjoy defense and bad offense. But I digress on that front. Iowa still gets the win. Uh, they're 9-2. I think they've already clinched a trip to the Big Ten championship at this point. So just waiting on the result of that Ohio State-Michigan game to see uh, who they get the privilege of being utterly destroyed by. Uh, but we move on from there. One of the shocking performances of the week, I think, Many people thought that Arizona was going to win, but I, if I were to tell you that Arizona would be up 28-0 at one point on Utah, I'm not sure a lot of people would have believed it, but that is exactly what they were. Early in the second quarter, mind you, Arizona had a 28-0 lead, and it was over. It was absolutely over after that point. Arizona gets the win 42 42- to 18. They're 8 and 3 on the season right now. I'm I mean, Jeff Brom is probably going to win the, the National Coach of the Year. Jed Fish has a strong strong uh, argument for himself as well. I mean, putting in a, a freshman quarterback in there in Noah Fafita, who ends up being so good that he he usurps the veteran Jaden Delora, which probably a good decision. Jaden Delora would have probably lost him a few games in here. Um Having that offense put up 42 in a really solid uh, Utah defense, uh, Utah only scoring 18 points, which, you know, kind of par for the course with Bryson Barnes and that Utah team. Cam Rising, by the way, back for his 15th year next year in college football. Hilarious. He's been in college. I mean, he's probably working on his doctorate at this point. He's been in there for so long. 
Um, but that's besides the point. Arizona, I mean, round of applause. Round of applause to them. They are a really, really good football team. Um, if Jed Fish doesn't go to Mississippi State, I really hope he stays at Arizona because I, I love what they're doing there. I would love to see what this Arizona team looks like with Jed Fish at the helm uh, when they go to the Big 12. I, I just really like what they're doing over there in Arizona. And for that team to have turned around as quickly as it had to, from the doldrums that they were in with Kevin Sumlin at head coach, with they were probably getting two wins a season at the end of that tenure, to in two seasons going, I think got them bowl eligible last year, and then this year being eight and three, um, legitimately in the mix for the Pac-12 championship right now. I don't think, um, I don't think they actually can get in anymore. Well, actually, if if Oregon loses this next week to Oregon State in the Civil War, um, Arizona would be in the Pac-12 title game right now. So they, they still have an opportunity to be in the Pac-12. And also, Arizona has to win against Arizona State, but I, I'm here to tell you Arizona State is not being beating Arizona this weekend. That's just, I know I'm going out on the limb there, but um, Arizona State is maybe the worst team in the Pac-12 right now. So, yeah, just take that for what it is worth. Um, Arizona, man, they have won five straight at this point. Um, they've, outside of Oregon State and Colorado, which hilarious that they barely escaped against Colorado uh, last week, they have been just smoking teams, absolutely destroying teams down the stretch of this year. I, I love what Arizona is doing. They could really make some noise in the Big 12 next year. Someone's got to take control of that conference uh, once the, the big boys in Oklahoma and Texas leave. Who's to say Arizona can't come out and do it? I mean, Arizona, Utah, uh, really a lot of those teams that, come, that are coming over from the Pac-12 could make some noise next year. It is going to be a brave new world in the Big 12 going forward, and I still think it's going to be a really fun conference. I think Arizona's going to contribute to that in a big way, in no small part because of Jed Fish and what he has been able to do with that Arizona team. Hats off to him. I can't, I can't praise him enough for how it's gone there. Uh, we move on. Notre Dame uh, beat the hell out of Wake Forest 45-7. In other news, water wet. Um, Clemson hosting North Carolina. I think some of the sharp betters saw this coming. Uh, the line was already at minus 7 in Clemson's favor. So that with the, the way that Clemson started this year, really kind of rounding into shape as the season has gone on. Um, still not getting great offensive play, but the defense is rounded into form much, much more so. Uh, they get the win, though, in you know fairly dominant fashion, 31-20 to over North Carolina. Um, even in the face of O'Marion Hampton going for 178, again, that's a guy that's probably going to make an NFL team. Is he? Can he go to the NFL? Ooh, only a sophomore, and uh, I went to the game log. i got to go to the stats. Yeah, I mean, they, they still got him for another year, too. So, I mean, hey, he's going to make an NFL team really good in the 2024 draft. 2025? Yeah, 2025 draft. So, yeah, that, that's that's a hell of a guy to have around. I mean, 1,400 yards on the season. O'Marion Hampton, a really, really solid player over there. But that's besides the point. Uh, North Carolina gets handed their third loss of the season after how promising the, the season had started. And uh, what more can I say? They, they wasted the last year of Drake May. Um, what does Gene Chizik even do? Who's to say? Um, he is still cashing checks from that one year he had Cam Newton, and Cam Newton just dragged him to a national title. Um, he is going to be living off of that for the rest of his life because Gene Chizik is not a very good coach, and uh, I think North Carolina is finding that out firsthand right now. 
Um, Mac Brown still can't seem to hire a defensive staff. What else is new? That's been the problem all the way going back to uh, to Texas in the final years of his tenure there. Credit to Clemson, though. Getting a lot of shit. Went through a lot of hard times this season. Um, they have now won, what, five of their last seven. Uh, only losses being to uh, Miami and NC State. Um, they've gotten two of their last. I mean, they won three straight. Two of those three are against ranked teams, being against Notre Dame and against North Carolina. I mean, granted, both being at home in those, which is not in, inconsequential. But, you know, solid wins here down the stretch. And, um, yeah, I there's just no way you can ever fire Dabo Swinney, even if he doesn't adopt the uh, the, the the tactic of, of going into the transfer portal, which I don't think he ever will. He's just, I mean, he's never going to change. It's plain and simple, especially with uh, reeling off these wins down the stretch. I think he's going to, you know, cement it in what he feels is the direction of the program that he wants to take it. It is what it is. You're not going to change him at this point. And with where Clemson was before he got there, uh, to where they are now, I don't think they ever get rid of him. Uh, for for better or for worse, I think this is just where uh, where Dabo Sweeney's going to be uh, for the rest of his coaching career, and I'm not sure he has a whole lot of value elsewhere. So you're you're stuck with him, I think. But big time win, credit where credit is due. Clemson gets the win. They're seven and four now, thirty one to twenty over North Carolina. Um, who would have thought? I mean, if you go back four years ago. I mean, maybe you could see it for Kansas State, but Kansas State-Kansas, if you would have told me this was going to be a ranked matchup in November four years ago, I would have I would have looked at you like you had three heads, quite frankly, but that's exactly what this was. Number 21 team in Kansas State at the number 25 team in Kansas, and it was a, it was a dandy of a matchup. It was a big-time matchup. I mean, Devin Neal did everything in his power to, to will his team to victory, 138 yards in the ground, three touchdowns, but just wasn't enough. Will Howard, uh, that Kansas State team, just did enough to win the game. And uh, there you go, Kansas State rolling right now. I mean, they've gotten some some tough losses here in the recent past to uh, to Texas. Um, I believe they lost to, did they lose? To, yeah, I think they lost to Oklahoma. I can't quite remember at this point, but 8-3 and three on the season. I mean, they lose to, to Missouri in heartbreaking fashion as well early in the season. But they get the win here, 31 to 27. Still alive for the Big 12 championship, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Uh, they face off against Iowa State this next week. And they need some chaos ahead of them right now. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both hold tiebreakers against them at the moment. Uh, but still in the hunt. They're six and two. They're six and two. If if, if shit goes haywire ahead of them. Could still be in that uh, in that that Big 12 title game. Who's to say? Who's to say they can't? Um, Kansas State, though, Chris Kleiman and uh, Lance Leipold, two guys that I would love to have as my head coach next year as a Mississippi State fan. Feels like we might not have either, but uh, hey, hey, sup? I'm available. I'm I'm available, folks. Come on over. Come, come on over. Either either Chris Kleiman, famous brother of Dove, or. Uh, uh, Lance Leipold, love to have you both there. Also, that's false. Not not a brother of Dove Kleiman. Dove Kleiman's not even a real person. Uh, fuck that guy, though. He sucks. I, I hate him so much. The, the aggregators are the scourge of NFL media, but what else is new? Uh, we keep it moving from there. Oklahoma State got dicey at times, but they pulled away in the second half. They get the win 43-30. to They get us the cover as well. You may remember we bet a minus seven. We get the cover on that. Thank you very much. Uh, 43 to 30, the final score in that one. 
Ollie Gordon and Alan Bowman add themselves a couple of days, man. I mean, Alan Bowman, 348, two touchdowns, one interception. Ollie Gordon just ho-hum, 25 carries, 164 yards, three touchdowns. One of the best running backs in the entire country. Uh, is he a guy they're going to have next season? He is a sophomore. And um, I believe, check the check the deck here. Yeah, should have him next back back next season as well. A good guy to have in the program. Hey, hey, in this brave new Big 12, Oklahoma State, who's to say they can't come out here and shock some people next season as well? Oklahoma State improves, though, uh, to 6-2 and two in the conference, 8-3 and three on the season overall with the inside track to go to the Big 12 title game. Still, with that, uh, with dropping that uh, that game this previous week to, I can't remember who they dropped it to. Texas Tech, that's the one that they, they dropped it to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they still got everything they want in front of them. Could end up pissing in Texas's Cheerios as well. Like I said, I don't think Texas is going to end up uh, doing anything or getting into the, the college football playoff, even if they do end up winning out and, and winning the Big 12 championship. Kind of is what it is there. Um, but Oklahoma State can make that that point moot if they come out here and win out and run the, the table. Hey, again, I've said it before. I'll say it again here. Credit to Mike Gundy. This is maybe the best coaching job he has ever had um, with – how the mass exodus of talent that came from that program uh, ended up last year. I thought they're going to be the one of the worst teams in all the Big 12. And shows what I know. I mean, the Mad Mullet had just continues to find ways to get this team to win. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State got a bright future. What else is new? Uh, as long as Mike Gundy is there, you've always got a chance as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we move on to the final top 25 matchup. Um, Tulane uh, beat Florida Atlantic 24-8. Uh, Michael Pratt had three touchdowns and 252 yards on the day. There's your Tulane football update. They're 10-1 on the season. Um, same record as JMU at this point, too, who, who lost a, a tough one to App State. After all the, you know, the game day being there, PFT, I mean, just being just vintage PFT on uh, on game day, uh, all the hype around that, all the momentum, go, go into an absolute thriller, force overtime on like a, they convert like a fourth and 18 to force overtime too, ultimately come up just short, fantastic game, but just didn't go in their favor, tough one for JMU, tough, tough one, they still deserve to be in the, in the they deserve to play for the Sun Belt Championship, and they deserve to be in a bowl um, what else is new, though? We move on from there. Let's take a look at some of the unranked matchups. Just go through this real quick. Uh, Pitt beat Boston College. Boston College reeling after uh, after uh, a hot you know middle section of the season. There, uh, they get uh, Pitt gets the win, twenty four to sixteen. Oh, what else we got? Uh, Virginia beat Duke. Whew. Tough time to be a Duke fan right now. I mean, Mike Elko probably on the way out the door. Uh, you just sliding to end the season. You just lose to, uh, to Virginia as well. Whew, tough time to be a Duke fan. Uh, hey, you got basketball season on the horizon. Though. At the very least, you got that. Uh, NC State quietly eight and three. They they win thirty five to twenty eight over Virginia Tech. Uh, going into a pivotal game against uh, is this the uh, North Carolina NC State game this week? Yeah, it is North Carolina versus NC State. And uh, very, very uh, good opportunity to win that one, too. I mean, North Carolina moving in the exact opposite direction of where you want them. So that's uh, 
something to keep an eye on there for sure. That's going to be a dandy of a matchup, I think, this coming week. Uh, but hey, credit to credit to the whole coaching staff over there. NC State eight and three after Devin Leary left. Uh, I don't think a whole lot of people thought that would be the case, but here they are, eight and three, uh, looking to get a, a solid bowl placement. You know, not a bad uh, season for them over there. And I have another underrated. I mean, didn't realize this. Georgia Tech goes bowl eligible this week. Uh, they they beat Syracuse. They put the final nail nail in Syracuse head coach Dino Babers coffin. Uh, they get the win 31 to 22. And as I alluded to there, Dino Babers, the head coach of Syracuse, was fired after this game. So they're in the market for a new head coach over there uh, with the Orangemen. Not really going to, I mean, I'm not going to get into the weeds of the Syracuse head coaching uh, job there because I'm not a fan like I am of the Mississippi State football team. We keep moving from there, though. That is it for the ACC. What's going on in the Big 12? In the Big 12, uh, West Virginia beat Cincinnati, another team that I thought. Would be much worse this year. West Virginia, 7-4 and four on the season. Oh, man, they have really. Um, I mean, save Neil Brown's job for better or for worse over there. That could be a good thing going forward. Could be a bad thing as well. But, hey, 7-4 and four this season. Really solid year. And uh, they got an opportunity to maybe be one of those teams that, you know, grabs control of the Big 12 this next season. I mean, this next season is about as wide open as you can imagine uh, for this Big 12. It's going to be a dandy. But for right now, we are. In this 2023 season, can't be getting too far ahead of ourselves. We've got to enjoy what we have while we have it. And West Virginia um, gave Cincinnati all they could have as well. 42-21 to 21 the final there. Um, Baylor continues a tough season. They dropped to 3-8 and eight after TCU beats them 42-17. to 17. TCU, uh, that, that national championship berth feels so far away at this point. They are 5-6 and six on the season, even after the win over Baylor. Just a tough year uh, down in Fort Worth. Um, Texas Tech getting the win by one point in an absolute thriller uh, against UCF. Uh, 24-23, the final in this one. Uh, UCF made a late comeback. They outscored uh, Texas Tech 9-3 in the fourth quarter. Just could not quite. They were this close. Just couldn't quite get over the hump there. At the end, Texas Tech gets the win, though. Uh, Becomes bowl eligible. They are 6-5 on the season now to end this thing off. Um, Taj Brooks, I mean, big time running back there for Texas Tech. Um, huge game, 182 yards, uh, one touchdown on the on the day. Um, hey, credit where it is due. Really good season over there for him. Uh, not necessarily kind of an under underwhelming uh, year for Texas Tech, but at least you get to keep your coach. That's that's big. If they, they would have had nine, ten wins this year. He's gone for sure because he's a, he's been a hot name on the market. Obviously not so hot that I can uh, remember off the top of my head, but that, that's a good thing. If a, if a dipshit like me cannot remember your coach's name, means they're probably not going to get poached away from you this offseason. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Keep that in mind. It's all, all positive, all good vibes right now. Uh, but that's all for the Big 12. What we got popping in the Big 10? Michigan State. Uh, I mean, one one of the saddest games of the week. I mean, they beat Indiana. Indiana drops to three and eight. Michigan State Im- improves uh, to four and seven on the year uh, with the 24-21 win. Y'all don't want to hear about this. We'll keep it moving. Um, Northwestern, by the way, hired the interim to be the full-time head coach out there. I mean, I'll talk about another team that I thought would get two wins tops this year. Northwestern's bowling, baby. They are six and five now after they get the win over Purdue, uh, twenty-three to fifteen. 
I can't be anything short of impressed uh, with how this season has gone for Northwestern. Um, hats off to them. All credit where it's due. I thought they'd be terrible, and they have been downright average this year, which is, I mean, it sounds like a slight. It's not, though. It is an absolute compliment. Northwestern better than I could have possibly imagined this year. Not to say what could happen next season, but let's let's live in the now, though, man. Y'all are bowling after like a, a three, two win, two or three wins team uh, last season. You fire your head coach and you get exponential, well, not exponential, you get better than you were last season. Uh, full credit to the coaching staff over there. They stepped into a tough situation and made made lemons into gold, quite frankly. They, they did very, very well for themselves this year. Uh, kudos to them. Another team that's going bowling this year, Wisconsin, gets the win over Nebraska 24-17. They're now 6-5. and five. They will be bowling in uh, Luke Fickle's first year. Not the best season right out of the gate for Luke Fickle, but one day at a time, he's going to get this rig rolling for Wisconsin. They had they had to do a full overhaul of the roster from what Paul Chris built them as, you know, being a, a tough sort of team, uh, you know, pounding the rock, physical defense. They go from that to, you know, big-time culture shock. They bring in Phil Longo, uh, the North Carolina offensive coordinator the past several seasons uh, to be the new offensive coordinator for, there for Wisconsin. It's going to take a few years. Uh, they, they had a, a, a transfer quarterback in there uh, that out of SMU, Tanner Mordecai, uh, has was not great this year for them. So it's it's a it's a work in progress. They will eventually get that rig rolling, and they will be playing a style of football you're not accustomed to seeing from Wisconsin. For right now, though, being bowl eligible is a good step in the right direction. Maybe not quite the season you would have hoped for, but it is a step in the right direction. They're getting better. Slowly but surely, they're getting better. Luke Fickle, like I said, will have this rig rolling here in the near future. Mark my words. And so will Matt Rule. He got the loss in this one. Uh, but that is a team that has fought week in, week out. They got a terrible offense, but the defense has kept things close every single week. They're five and six, but I still maintain you, you can't you just uh, just throw out the year ones for Matt Matt Rule. I mean, he's not good in any year. Uh, any year one in, in in college game, I mean, especially not in the NFL, but in college, never great in year one, always gets the rig rolling eventually, whether that be in year two or year three. Matt Rule will have Nebraska back in nine-win contention uh, from here on. Maybe not from here on out. We'll see what happens next season. But by year three, I would imagine he's going to have this thing firing on all cylinders, uh, competing for Big Ten championships. In all likelihood, I mean, we'll, he's got a long way to go before he's up there with the uh, Ohio States and Michigans of the world up there at the top of the conference. But I think he's going to have him there uh, in the next probably five years or so. Maybe not quite to that level, but maybe just the rung below that. It's nine, ten wins a season. He'll be there at some point. I mark my words. I think Matt Rule will be there at some point. Just not this year. Not this year for him. We got a got a big win for bull eligibility. That got a big game this next week for bull eligibility against Iowa. That's going to be a, a dandy if you if you're a sicko out there, which I you know, I dabble in a little bit of sickohood, but uh, we'll digress on that front. Pac-12. Any matchups that weren't Pac? Uh, oh yes. <laughs> uh, did Chip Kelly just save his job? Um, I think he might have. I mean, talk about uh, a disappointing season for U- uh, USC. They're now 7-5 and five now, and they lose to UCLA, a team that was on the verge of firing their head coach, and it wasn't even close. UCLA gets the win 38-20. to 20. Dan Mullen, 
I mean, really, leaning into that media life, he, he posed the question on Twitter X, whatever that godforsaken app is uh, that you call it nowadays. He posed the question, um, a valid question, is the right coach on the hot seat in L.A. right now? Obviously referring to the reports that, that Chip Kelly might be fired after this game uh, going in while Lincoln Riley is secure in his position. And after a year where the expectation coming in was compete for a playoff spot, they're 7-5 and five now with the presumptive number one overall pick, which that's a conversation for around draft time. I think there are some serious and warranted maturity concerns with Caleb Williams uh, taken in there at the top spot, which you might not have with a, with a Drake May or um, a Michael Penix or someone of that variety. But upside, obviously, is a, is a calculation as well. But uh, Caleb Williams was not available for media uh, availability after this one. So I there there are some warranted concerns. I'll just put it that way. There are some warranted concerns uh, with the maturity level for Caleb Williams um, as a NFL prospect right now. Different story for a different time, though. We're talking about Lincoln Riley right now, though. And he's not going to get fired, but it's a valid question from Dan Mullen. If Chip Kelly, after having them on the doorstep of a Pac-12 title last year and really kind of rounding into form this year. They're 7-4 and four now. They could be 8-4 and four after their final game of the season. Is the right coach on the hot seat in L.A.? I mean, Lincoln Riley, man, you think he regrets leaving Oklahoma at this point? Well, probably lives a much, a much better lifestyle over there in L.A. at the moment. So, you know, nothing to sneeze at there. But I feel like that, that, that's a guy that... Uh, should deserve a lot more pressure than he's probably under right now. And he's got to absolutely nail that defensive coordinator hire. Uh, I mean, there's a little rumblings that maybe he follows Caleb Williams wherever he goes in the draft, which would be a classic bad franchise move to just hire Lincoln Riley after the, the terrible season he's just having. You know, the, the track record of college coaches coming over to the NFL. But, you know, it's a classic bad franchise move there. Uh, will they even have Lincoln Riley in the building next season? I do not know if that will be the case. We'll just have to wait and see, though. We'll have to wait and see. Until then, got to nail that defensive court. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to assume that Lincoln Riley, for the sake of argument, is going to be at USC next season. Got to nail this defensive coordinator hire. Absolutely got to nail this defensive coordinator hire. And um, I think Malachi Moore is the guy they got there behind Caleb Williams. Got to hit on him as well. And with the track record that Lincoln Riley has at quarterback, um, literally never had a bad one. So, I mean, I think Spencer Rattler might be the only exception. But uh, lo and behold, uh, you got a guy named Caleb Williams in there who is now going to be the number one overall pick in all likelihood. So, didn't end up working out too badly for him with the, the, the miss on Spencer Rattler. That's the only, like, quote-unquote bad QB he's had, though, in his entire uh, college coaching career. I would assume Malachi Moore will follow suit, but... Absolutely, absolutely have to nail that defensive coordinator hire. You got to go out and swing big to, to make sure that you nail that defensive coordinator hire. Quite frankly, um, so that's that's going to be the thing to watch this offseason. One, will Lincoln Riley stay in LA? And two, will he nail that defensive coordinator hire? All eyes should be on USC this offseason. I would say that's going to be. I mean, outside of the Texas A&M uh, head coaching decision. That's going to be the most fascinating uh, hiring decision this offseason, I would say. Uh, one of the most fascinating coaching situations, I would say, going into this offseason. Um, Cal beat Stanford. Um, cool. 27-15, to 15, the final score there. Uh, I'm not really much in the business of uh, 
uh, keeping up with future ACC teams. So we'll keep it moving from there. Uh, SEC. I, I can think of one unranked matchup this week. Oh, yes, there's another one, though. Uh, well, Mississippi State beat Southern Miss 41-20. to It's basketball season. Why, why bother me during basketball season? Uh, Texas A&M beat Abilene Christian 38-10. to uh, That's not what I'm here to talk to you about, though. Uh, New Mexico State. Oh, boy, New Mexico State. They go into Auburn. And not only do they win, they dominate Auburn. I mean plaster Auburn to... Ooh, goodness... Tough time for a burp there, but I'm going to keep it moving. They plastered Auburn to the field in Jordan-Hare on their own home turf. They made kids cry, and it made me laugh to watch those kids cry because I'm a bad person. But I'll tell you what, New Mexico State dominated this game. 31-10, the final score in this one. And obviously, it's year one for, for Hugh Freeze. He's not on the hot seat, folks. He, he stepped into a bad Auburn team. He's got a bowl eligible, which stepping in the right direction, uh, probably going to end up with some some quarterback in the transfer portal. Again, Peyton Thorne is exactly who we thought Peyton Thorne would be coming into this year. Uh, my goodness, I, do I have a hanger in there? I don't think so, but I'm, I'm getting all sidetracked right now. Um, Auburn just... I mean, they shit the bed. They absolutely shit the bed. I mean, this is absolutely a case of looking ahead to the Super Bowl for their season, Alabama, next week, which I believe they're hosting in Jordan-Hare again, and forgetting that they have a game to play against a 8-3 team, now 9-3 team, uh, New Mexico State, who uh, I believe Jerry Kill, the head coach there, former head coach at, at uh, Minnesota, I want to say, Got New Mexico State firing on all cylinders right now at 9-3. and three. A really good hire from New Mexico State, too, because I'm just not sure a guy like Jerry Kill with um, his advanced age at this point is going to be a guy that jumps back into the Power 5 ranks in all likelihood. Um, probably a guy that you could keep at New Mexico State for quite a while and seems to be got, got, got this program really moving in the right direction. Really good hire there from New Mexico State. And uh, probably going to be a good program there for years to come. I would imagine it's it's good to see them. Um, it's good to see a non-power five team coming out there and beating the hell out of Auburn. It's uh, it warms my heart. It warms my heart. I mean Mississippi State stinks. Make no mistake about it. But at least they weren't Auburn this week. At least they weren't Auburn. It's you know it does remind me though that Mississippi State lost twenty four to three to an Auburn team that lost to New Mexico State thirty one to ten. But uh, yeah, that's it. Different story for a different day. Different story for a different day. It's basketball season. Two two ranked basketball teams in the Mississippi State campus right now. There's no other sports that matter right now. It's we're a basketball school. No no football going on here. It's just it's basketball. Oh boy. Oh boy. Either way, uh, Arkansas beat the hell out of Florida International 44 to 20, and uh, North, South Carolina um, barely eked one out against Kentucky uh, 17 to 14. Uh, there's talk about Mark Stoops being on the hot seat for Kentucky. Please, go ahead. Go ahead. Fire Mark Stoops and watch yourselves drop to two wins a year right there next to Vanderbilt as the bottom dwellers in the SEC. Mark Stoops is the only reason that Kentucky is ever good. If they if they fire him, that would be one of the dumbest decisions of, of all time, quite frankly. It's, I mean, it's, 
It would be a worse decision to fire Mark Stoops than it would be for Clemson to fire Dabo Sweeney. I'll, I'll put that out there into the universe. I absolutely believe that too. Kentucky is nothing without Mark Stoops and they need to realize that. Um, I don't think they're dumb enough to go out there and fire Mark Stoops though. Even if they are 6-5 and five after starting the season really, really hot. Uh, they do this every year though. So what else is new? Uh, we keep it moving from here. Uh, I believe, I believe that is all. Uh, for the previous week, week 12 of college football. Let's look ahead to rivalry week, shall we? Week 13. And starting off the slate, we have got Ole Miss on the road at Mississippi State in Starkville in Davis Wade. Uh, The environment, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be good. It it will be, it, it will be good. It will be, Good. Yup. Alcohol. There you go. Uh, yeah, that, that, that should tell you all I feel about that game. Boy, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt a lot. Uh, great way to end off the Thanksgiving. Hopefully, I'll be, I'll be good and boosted up by that point. It's going to be, oh boy, I'm not looking forward to that. Anyways, uh, Missouri on the road at Arkansas. Missouri favored by seven and a half in that one. That hook scares me, so I'm staying away from that, especially at Arkansas. Arkansas stinks, but that home environment is absolutely no joke, so uh, staying the hell away from that one for sure. Um, Kentucky traveling to Louisville. Uh, Louisville favored by seven, and uh, folks, that is one of my five bets I'm giving out today. Louisville minus seven. I love that number. I think Kentucky Kentucky stinks, and Louisville, this might be a look-ahead spot to, uh, uh, to that ACC championship game, but... It's a rivalry game, folks. They should come out here and uh, take care of business versus Kentucky. I think Louisville gets the win. They get the win by uh, double digits in this one. So love that Louisville line at minus seven. I'm taking them there. Um, Texas A&M at LSU. Um, I'm not sure Texas A&M is going to necessarily keep this close, but I don't think LSU's defense is that good. So my second bet I'm giving out LSU and Texas A&M. I'm not taking the spread here at 10 and a half. No, 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 no. I'm taking the over at 66 and a half. It's a high number, but I think Texas A&M is going to be able to score enough points. And I think um, Brian Kelly is on a mission to get Jaden Daniel. Jaden Daniel is a Heisman right now. So I think they're probably going to score 40 to 50 points. Uh, and meanwhile, Texas A&M at that point, you just got to score like 20. And you're, you're right there in the, in the thick of things for that over. So yeah, I'm taking that over 66 and a half. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Ultimately, I think LSU wins. Do I think the cover? Who's to say? With that that defense, never a guarantee that she covered any any game whatsoever. Um, Alabama on the road at Auburn. Alabama favored by fourteen and a half. And if I were an Alabama fan, Alabama fan, this game would scare me to death uh, because Alabama has walked into situations like this before and gotten everything they could possibly handle. And don't get me wrong, Auburn is not a good football team. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, the offense is abysmal. Um, the defense is just average at best. But this is their Super Bowl. I made a I made an allusion to it, uh, talking about Auburn getting smoked by uh, New Mexico State. Uh, this is Auburn's Super Bowl, and they they're going to play the game of their lives. I would imagine. Uh, even so, I don't think Alabama covers. I think they win this one fairly comfortably, though, probably by double digits when it's all said and done, and they set up a crucial date in the SEC championship versus uh, Georgia. Already set up, but it's going to be a dandy uh, the, the next week. Uh, I think this game ends up being a little bit better than the, what the line may indicate to you, but 
move, we move on uh, from there. That's on that, that's on Saturday, right? Yeah, that, that's on that's on Saturday. Um, wait, what the hell? Oh, I'm looking at the SEC. I'm stupid. I'm stupid, folks. Let's look at the top 25. I'm not, I'm just dumb. I'm sorry. I'm just a big, big dumb dipshit over here. My bad. Um, TCU at Oklahoma. Oklahoma favored by 10 and a half. That hook scares me. Therefore, I am staying away. Um, over under at 63 and a half. Might be attractive for some of you, but not for me. Um, uh, Iowa at Nebraska. Nebraska favored by two. I think that's a spot on line. I'm probably staying away from that. Um, over under is 26 and a half. Once again, the lowest over under in college football history would still probably lean the under. I think that's going to be a sicko special in that one. I think I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of points scored at all. Uh, someone is going to win that axe though, and I cannot wait to see who it is. Uh, UTSA at Tulane. Um, Tulane favored by three, and I don't know enough about this game to bet it. So there you go. There's my analysis of that one. Um, UTSA eight and three, by the way. This could be a very solid matchup between these two teams. So uh, yeah, watch that one if you're in the in the market for watching such things. It's going to be on ABC three thirty game. So you know, have at it if you'd like. Um, what else we got? I can't believe oh, this is on Friday, by the way. Too this is a Black Friday game. So yeah, I mean, hey. If you've got work off still on Black Friday, go ahead and watch that one. I don't. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still going to be doing my thing. But, you know, have fun. Um, another game on Friday, uh, Missouri at Arkansas. Kind of already alluded to that one. So, we'll leave that there. Uh, Texas Tech at Texas. Also on Friday night in the 730 spot on ABC. Um, Texas favored by 12 and a half right now. Um, I've... I don't trust Texas to, to cover a spread basically ever, so I would lean Texas Tech in, in the points. I trust Texas to win the game, though, so we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, Texas Tech could piss in some wholesale Cheerios, though. I, I make no mistake about it; they could they could definitely do that. They're not a terrible team; they're just you know not as good as Texas this year. Um, Penn State at Michigan State. Penn State favored by twenty one. I'd still probably lean Penn State in this game. Michigan State stinks, uh, but it's on the road, so. Who knows? Who knows what, what you'll get from Drew Aller either. He got hurt in last week's game. Uh, but if he's healthy, if he's out there, I would I would expect Penn State to take care of business in that one. Uh, the final chapter of the Civil War, uh, topping off the uh, the Friday night slate there, 8.30 on Fox. Number 11 right now, Oregon State going on the road to number 6, Oregon. Oregon favored by 13 and a half. Uh, I just feel like Oregon State finds a way to cover. I don't. I don't have no rational thought for why, which is why I'm not betting on this game. But I don't know, man. I've just got a feeling that Oregon State is going to hang around in this one and give Oregon a game, whether that be through uh, making it a bit more of a rock fight or whether it be through just keeping up with Oregon State scoring. Um, I just got a feeling that Oregon State's going to stay in this one. I just feel like the 13 and a half is probably a little bit too lot too far. Uh, but since that's all gut and no logic, I'm not betting on that whatsoever. I think it should be a fun game in that in that final matchup of Oregon State and Oregon. Hate to see it. I wish they. I hope they find a way to keep this series alive some way somehow. But doesn't seem likely, unfortunately. And it sucks. Absolutely sucks. But moving on to the Saturday games, the game of the week, the college football. A playoff implications game of the week, and I gotta make sure I don't have this because I could very well have just added it to the bet slip and then just just whoopsie daisy slip my mind. But uh, yeah, not on the bet slip as of yet, so we'll we'll leave that there uh, as of right now. 
Um, but uh, yeah, uh, what is it? Ohio State at Michigan, total brain fart there. Over under is 46 and a half right now. I believe that is according to ESPN Bet, which launched this past week, I suppose. So and I'm not I'm not shilling for ESPN Bet. Who cares? Um, but yeah, over under is at 46 and a half. You already know my thoughts. I think this is going to be a rock fight. Um, and I don't know who to favor. I mean, Michigan State is favored, not Michigan State, Michigan is favored by three and a half. I I don't feel great about either side in this one. I think this is going to be a low scoring game uh, where whoever holds the ball last might end up being the one that wins the game. I, I feel like this is um, this has got the makings of an absolute classic. All the stakes in the world in this one. I don't think the loser of this game makes the college football playoff like they did last season. I think, obviously, whoever wins this game goes to the Big Ten Championship. Everything, all the expectations for both of these teams rides on this game and the outcome of this game. I think it's going to be an absolute dandy. I wish I wasn't working for it, but I'll be following it closely on my phone. Make no mistake about it. Uh, This is going to be possibly the game of the season as far as implications are concerned between number two, Ohio State, number three, Michigan. Oh, boy, cannot wait. We are in the best time of the year for football right now. Um, Kentucky at Louisville already went over that. We're on Louisville minus seven at the moment. Already went over Texas A&M and LSU on on the over 66 and a half. Uh, Colorado at Utah. Utah favored by 21 and a half. And that hook scares me, so I'm not taking that. Um, I do think Utah wins pretty comfortably, though. You know, t- tough, tough home stretch for Colorado after starting off the season, I believe, 4-0. Um, yeah, tough. That's the best way to describe it, tough. But four wins, a success in my book. They, they got the over-under over under win total uh, for the season. So I count that as a, as a successful year one. Didn't quite end the way you'd hoped, but successful year one. Uh, four and eight. Uh, let's, not, let's not twist up uh, what we thought just, you know, from the outsized, out-proportioned uh, expectations after they started out so hot. Coming into the season, I said four and eight would be a success, and four and eight is absolutely a success for Colorado. Deion Sanders has the program moving in the right direction. Just again, probably should have tempered expectations a little bit going into year one. Um, Alabama at Auburn already went over that. Arizona at Arizona State. Arizona is favored by eleven and a half. I would still be inclined to take Arizona. I just think they're that much better than Arizona State. It is a road game for a freshman quarterback, so weird things can't happen, but. Arizona minus 11 and a half, I, I do think they, uh, I, I would lean in their direction. Uh, probably not going to bet them publicly, may bet them privately though. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, Tennessee hosting Vanderbilt, they're favored by 27, who cares. Um, BYU at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State favored by 17 and a half. I think BYU might actually keep this close. I just Oklahoma State hasn't looked fantastic over these last couple weeks. Uh, and I think BYU has been frisky, if not, you know, you know, they're in the mix here, if nothing else, to kind of keep this thing close. Uh, starting the first Jewish quarterback in program history, so there's there's some some history for you uh, there. Um, I don't think they win, but I think they end up keeping it closer to that 17.5 point uh, line. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I, I lean BYU in this case. Um, the final Apple Cup between Washington State at Washington. Washington favored by 16.5. And I don't know. I've got a weird feeling about this game. I feel like Washington State might keep this a little bit closer than that 16.5 point line uh, might indicate. I think ultimately Washington wins, but I mean, Cam Ward, good good offense. 
I mean, terrible defense, not very good defenses on either side. But I feel like this this has the makings of a, a classic sort of shootout where Washington kind of sneaks out of there with the win. They get to the Pac-12 championship game, but only by the skin of their teeth. And again, all got no, uh, no substance there, so I'm not going to bet that one. But I just feel like Washington State keeps this game close. Uh, Florida State at Florida. Florida State favored by six and a half, and I would heavily... I would heavily lean in Florida's favor in this one. I feel like this is a spot at home. Florida plays very well at home, as we know this season. Uh, backup quarterback in his first start for Florida State in uh, uh, Tate Rodemaker. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's his name uh, over there with Florida State. I feel like this is a spot where Florida can come in and win this one outright. Um, I would heavily, heavily lean in Florida's favor. Uh, may end up being a bet when it's all said and done. I'll check back with me on Thursday on that one. But uh, that's a big-time upset spot for Florida State right there. Big-time upset spot. Uh, what's that? Uh, who cares? It's it's a news alert. I can get to that after I'm done recording. Uh, Florida State at Florida. Already went over that. Uh, Notre Dame at Stanford. Notre Dame favored by 26. And they may win by 40, but I'm not, I'm not losing any more hard-earned money on Notre Dame. I'll put it to you that way. Uh, Georgia on the road at Georgia Tech might be a look ahead spot to the SEC championship game, but I expect Georgia to take care of business. Um, line is 24 points. I feel like it's a pretty spot on line. I'm staying away from that one, but I expect Georgia to win comfortably in this one. Um, and we've still got Kansas, I mean, ranked for now. They won't be ranked when the actual rankings come out, uh, and whenever you're listening to this, but, um, Kansas. Uh, at Kansas or at Cincinnati, um, the line has moved to six and a half. I got them at six though, so that's that's what I'm I'm sitting at. Uh, that is one of our bets that I'm I'm putting in today. Kansas minus six at Cincinnati. Um, I just feel like that line is too short, and the Vegas is tending to agree with me as it has already moved up half a point. Get it while you can because it's probably going to keep moving in Kansas's direction. I think Kansas wins this one comfortably. Cincinnati stinks. Kansas is a legitimately good football team this year. Uh, so, yeah, I got Kansas in this one um, with the minus six. Thank you very much. Uh, North Carolina at North Carolina State. Uh, North Carolina favored by three in this one right now. I would heavily lean in North Carolina State's favor. I just think they've um, been playing better down the stretch than North Carolina, quite frankly. And I think that defense is going to give North Carolina problems. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. Uh, than what the uh, over-under 55.5 would indicate. Um, I, just, I just feel like NC State might pull this one out. I have I've, I have no pick in this one, uh, no official pick in this one, but uh, heavily lean in North Carolina State's favor. I just think they're, they're playing better right now than what North Carolina is. Um, Iowa State at Kansas State. If this were an Ames, I would probably lean in Iowa State's favor to cover. Since it is on the road in Manhattan... Uh, Kansas, that is. Uh, Kansas State minus nine and a half. I would I would lean Kansas State on, on that front. I just think they're they're a football team that is rolling right now. Uh, still got an outside shot to be in the uh, in in the Big 12 title game. So I think they take care of business in this one versus Iowa State. Um, hey, better than a lot of people expected Iowa State to be this year, especially with how they started the year. So I mean, hey, bowl eligible, take that for what it is. That's a win. Uh, Matt Campbell still the guy for them over there um, for however long he wants to be there, quite frankly. So, yeah, um, probably not going to win this one, but my my money is going to be on Kansas State. I'm not betting. Don't don't want to get it twisted there, but uh, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, there's your top 25 preview. And, um, 
Yeah, we're already like an hour 40 into this thing, so let's cut it off there. Thank you so much for tuning into Unqualified Analysis. Uh, if you enjoyed, go ahead, subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Be that uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, any 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 one, one of those places where this, uh, this podcast goes out. Go ahead, subscribe, share it. Uh, help me grow this thing a little bit more. Um, yeah, if you want to contact the show, probably just shoot me a DM on, on Twitter at Caleb Verzak. Link will be in the description for that. Um, also, will be in the description the email, unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com if you'd like to contact me in a little bit more traditional way. Either way is fine. Mi, mi casa es su casa. You know how it'll be. Uh, but uh, yeah, don't show up at my house. That That's all, all to say that. But yeah, contact me there if you want to contact me outside of that. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. As always, I got zero clue what I'm talking about. One thing that I learned, definitely not this week, but I learned it at some point and put it down in my notes app here. Uh, Canada has more lakes than the rest of the world combined. Let's let that sink in for you. Read it one more time. Uh, Canada has more lakes than the rest of the world combined. Oh, yeah. I forgot the last two uh, bets. I got a couple uh, NFL bets as well on the way out here. Um, So in addition to Kansas minus six, uh, Texas A&M LSU over 66 and a half. LSU, not LSU, Louisville minus seven versus Kentucky. I am also adding... Uh, on Thanksgiving night, uh, 49ers minus seven versus the Seahawks with Geno Smith banged up. I feel like uh, that's a spot where the 49ers are just going to just just pound them, road grade them. I, you know, I, I, this could come back to bite me in the ass, but I don't care. I, I like uh, 49ers there at minus seven. Also, Steelers facing a backup quarterback at the Bengals minus one, like them too. So I got both of those as well. So that's five bets for you. And uh, yeah, with that, thanks for tuning in. See you on Thursday, folks.